It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 433 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, December 11th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We get Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with Dave Locke, and you can find them all on, all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. And then we also have the Locked On NFL shows going, all 32 teams covered there. If your team's in a playoff race, uh, check out the local corresponding Locked On NFL show. If you're a college football fan and one of your teams is in the college football playoff, which I don't really know what that entails, but if you, if you like that stuff, we also have Locked On College shows for you to check out for pretty much all the major programs. And uh, yeah, if you find a show on the network that you like, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's uh, very helpful for rankings and algorithms and boosting our egos and all that good stuff. So thank you very much in advance for taking the small amount of time it requires to do that. All right, on today's show, we're joined by one of our favorites, Katie Heindel. How's it going? Going good, going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, happy to have you on. So you, the reason you're on today's podcast is because the Raptors don't play till 10.30, but I didn't want to do a preview podcast because I couldn't do one till the afternoon and they become outdated very quickly. Uh, and you were on the road getting some tales from the streets, um, the streets, the, the airports um, <laughs> over the weekend. And you were, uh, you took in the Brooklyn Nets game on Friday. The Raptors lost that one, of course. Uh, in overtime, right? Is that is that what happened? I can't remember. Oh that yeah, game at this point. they lost. They lost real bad in overtime. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, Kyle Lowry's slump is, was part of that game, or that game was part of Kyle Lowry's slump, whichever way you want to go. I, I'm very much not in podcast brain mode right now. I'm just saying words, um, but I just wanted to have you on to talk about your experience on the road and mostly get notes on how the Nets do things in their arena and maybe sort of compare to how they do it in Toronto. And maybe there can be some improvements brought. With maybe this podcast itself can bring some uh, improvements to the game ops, game ops experiments. Experiments, experience. Holy God! <laughs> <laughs> 
they should do some experiments to get it, the game ops better at Scotiabank Arena is what I'm saying. But anyway, how was, how was Brooklyn? Brooklyn was nice, man. Yeah. Um, I haven't ever stayed in Brooklyn uh, anytime I've been to New York. I've been lucky enough to have friends that lived in Manhattan until now. Um, and they recently moved to Borum Hill, which is a neighborhood abutting the Barclays Center mm-hmm. in downtown Brooklyn. Um, and it was extremely chill. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. It was, it's not at all, that neighborhood is like not like the caricature of Williamsburg, <laughs> um, which is pretty, kind of overwhelming. Um, but it, it's nice. Like I had a great time. Uh, and then in game, I also had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you sitting at Barclays Center? How are, how was like, how were the sight lines? Sightlines are great, so I know I already know you're a fan of this arena, so I'll just like I'm not going to feel bad for gushing about it. No, go nuts. Um, uh, it's a, if people don't know, it's a much smaller arena than the regular kind of stadiums that were built, I think, through the '90s and uh, early 2000s. So it's got like a real intimate feel um, when you walk in. What I really liked when you walk in the main entrance, the Geico Atrium. Um, <laughs> is that it's just like a huge open area and then you're kind of moving toward you don't even know but it's just everyone's moving away from the doors towards something and then when you get there it's just this huge wide open like you know at the ACC Scotiabank whatever you want to call it it's yep. just these like long tunnels that get to the seats from yep. um, like the concourse it's just wide open sight lines you're like oh that's the arena right in there um and they do a very dramatic thing with their lighting they turn it down um while the game's going on so it's theater style which like i thought was super cool um extremely dramatic like over the top dramatic which i'm into of course (laughs) (laughs) um but it's like it's just like it's a very nice arena i mean it's obviously new so it's got it doesn't have this kind of like outdated or sad feeling that some arenas can feel Mm -hmm. like i think um but otherwise, it's just like everyone was so happy who worked there. Um, had an extremely chatty, like amazing experience with the beer guy immediately off the escalator. It was just like good, good pregame experience all around. Yeah, I don't want to sound like I don't like Scotiabank Arena because I do. I think it's a good arena and I think it's mm-hmm. like for playoff games, I think it's fantastic because of the setup you have outside and just like inside it feels like it. You know, I, I may be part of, like, not having that open setup where there are those little tunnels that lead out to the arena. Maybe those, like, little tiny crevices of ways to get from the concourse to the to the arena part actually kind of hold the, no, the noise in a little bit better. And maybe, it, like, that helps it be so loud. I'm not sure. They do a very good job. I like the, the haze that usually kind of sits over the arena when the game starts after fireworks. That's always good. Bad ventilation is actually good. Um, I, I, I do like Scotiabank Arena, but... There are some arenas where like, I, I would just watch a game and it's like, man, I kind of wish it was just a little toned down. Because it's like basketball itself, uh, like the game itself is very exciting. It doesn't need to be jazzed up by just like people yelling all the time and the lights being blindingly bright. And I, I just, uh, something really kind of, uh, it seems a little bit whimsical in Brooklyn. I don't know. Is that is that fair to say? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think it's whimsical. <laughs> I think it's just like, I think, I think, okay, and don't get me wrong, I also love the ACC. I do like 
the weird feeling you have on the concourse because you can't see what's happening. Yeah. And then I've been on the concourse and then felt like gutted when you can see through the tiny walkways that their fireworks are going off mm-hmm. and you're missing them or the flames are going and I'm missing them. I'm like <laughs> that is upsetting. So like it creates a real, it creates its own kind of drama. Um, I guess in like, what you're missing mm-hmm. uh and it's like i don't know i think the acc compared to some like madison square gardens i know it's a historic arena but it's like not it's like not a great in-game experience mm-hmm. um depending on where you're sitting and at the acc you can be up in like you know the old sprite zone and you can still see what's going on in the game yeah there's not a bad seat pretty good yeah there's not a bad seat at all i don't think um no yeah like I, I know there are some arenas. Like I think the Saddle Dome in Calgary, because the ceiling is like shaped like a saddle, the if you're up high enough, you just like the ceiling cuts off half your view because it's just like dipping in front of your eyes. So there's nothing <laughs> like that at, at the ACC, and I, I I do think it's a very good arena. Um, I think it's kind of maybe a little bit too cramped in the concourses. I, I think a good arena is in Ottawa, uh, Scotiabank Arena or whatever the hell they call it now. It's not Scotiabank Arena. It used to be Scotiabank Place, and now it's like Canadian Tire. Whatever the hell it is. I don't care about the corporate sponsors of these arenas. The Ottawa Arena that's in the middle of a farm field. It's uh, it's a good arena. It's like just spacious and like wide concourses. That Honestly, for me, a person who's like claustrophobic and doesn't like large crowds and would just prefer to like walk to a concession stand and not be like body checked by eight people, that's all I want, really. It's just like space to walk, and I think the ACC kind of lacks that, but... I do think it's a good experience. The lighting thing, though. This is the biggest thing for me. The ACC has always been an extremely well-lit venue. And I do think it plays really well on TV. I think Raptors games look some of, like, maybe maybe the crispest games when you look at TV. Them and, like, Warriors games, I think. They just look great on TV because the lights are so bright and pronounced. But just, I can't imagine like how much of an upgrade it is to be sitting in that theater lighting does it like affect your ability to like see it all like is it like a negative experience in any way to have the theater lighting that they have in brooklyn no i don't think so i mean we were up we were up at like upper bowl but like at the front of the upper bowl and kind of in the corner mm-hmm. which is honestly where i prefer to sit at the acc as well because like it's better i think the sightlines are better it's a more affordable ticket but i wait i want to preface this by saying before we even were like looking at tickets to this game, uh, like we were looking on StubHub everywhere because like we figured you know it's the Raptors like they'll probably price it a little higher because yeah. granted they've been playing the Mavs the week before and tickets were ten dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> um, but when we were looking, it was like everything was sold out. So we were like, is this a sold out game? And ended up just getting our tickets from like Ticketmaster directly. Or whatever the equivalent is, and then no, it was Ticketmaster. I sound like such a bumpkin. Um, <laughs> Ticket pal. <laughs> but we were in the the, the the stadium, and it was like absolutely like very poor showing. Like it was like not sold out, extremely yeah. far from it, very empty. And I don't know, I don't know what happened. I, I was like speculating on this later, like if people heard when the game turned around, which we can get into. Um, and then they like rushed there because it's like pretty, it's like a very accessible arena. Mm-hmm. It's like right in downtown Brooklyn. If people were like, fuck this, I'm going to go and like picked up like second quarter tickets for really cheap because it filled up. Yeah. It was like ghost town to like the playoffs style well, that's good. seating. Anyway, it, <laughs> I like the dim light 
uh, I think it's like really dramatic. It helps me keep my focus from like wandering around the arena, like to look around beside me. Um, And they didn't have as much in-game activation. That's that's a good thing, I think. (laughs) I think, like we've talked about this before, I think what the there's something happening (laughs) this year at Raptors games. It's like stepped right up, and I don't. I mean, it's always been like a really exciting kind of atmosphere. They're always going crazy. They got the t-shirt toss, sixty seconds of madness, towel towel toss. Mm. You know, they're like there's always something being tossed at you. And there's always something like falling from the ceiling. Yeah. But this year, it's just like everything is louder. I haven't once left a Raptors game so far this season without feeling like my voice. I lose my voice. Oh, yeah. I'm just screaming at the person I'm with the whole game. Oh, yeah. I get home from a game covering it, and my ears are ringing. It's yeah. probably not very healthy. I should probably wear earplugs when I'm in there if I'm going to be sitting there working <laughs> and not just like partaking in the game. But like... I, I like to hear the sounds of the game. It's just, it's very, very, it's very, very bad teamy. You know what I mean? Like, I understand if a bad team needs to, like, jack up the crowd in between, like, moments mm-hmm. of downtime if you're, like, the magic. I get it. But the Raptors are really good, and the arena can carry a buzz without having, like, I understand what you have to do, like, the, you know, oh, make some noise when they're coming out of the commercial so it sounds good on TV and all that stuff. But, like, just the constant... Here's uh, some stuff we're gonna throw at you. Uh, like make like be loud, please. Like it's just they don't need that. And just like the constant like egging on of chance and all that stuff. It's like the, like the ACC is a very loud arena. Raptors fans are very with it, and the Raptors are an extremely exciting and good team. There should be no need for all of this extracurricular loudness. But uh, I don't know. It's weird. I find it odd that the Brooklyn Nets don't have that stuff because they are depressing. Yeah, they've got, like, the regular, they've got their, like, dance can, they've got the, like, you know, those kinds of, like, activations that they put when, you know, the game stops or it's between quarters or something, but Mm -hmm. they didn't have, oh, they had a very powerful t-shirt cannon. Okay, I can get on board with that. Like a second deck? Like a second deck type? Sorry, I was just going to say the volume is, like, it's, it's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. It's like I normal like listening level, not airplane. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, I don't think it's like wrong to say that it's too goddamn loud at Scotiabank Arena. And there are also there's these like little times during games where they'll like pick up music in the play, and it's like I don't understand how the players are communicating on defense. It's a wonder the Raptors aren't one of the worst defensive teams in the league just because they can't talk to each other because it's so damn loud. Um, and maybe that's the, it's like deafened on the floor and you can't quite hear it. But like uh, up where I am, up in the the, the gondola, way up top, like I, I it's just oppressive the noise. I sound like <laughs> such an old. <laughs> I know. One thing though that the the nets or like their in game people do is that they play songs. Yeah. Not the like. Um, sports songs like there's one song that the raptors have that i call the stress song and it's just that guitar riff do you know the one and it's like no please sing it for me with your mouth no it's like (laughs) and it's like it it, it gradually goes up in in pitch um and i I usually only play it when another team is is having an offensive play hence why i started calling it the stress song but now they started using it rampantly Mm. I don't really like it, but uh, 
in Brooklyn, they were just playing like instrumental versions of like rap songs, pop, like pop songs, like any song, which I thought was, but like, you know, like the karaoke instrumental version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I didn't like, I didn't really like it. And I was, it made me confused. And I was like, do they always play music in the game? Do the Raptors do this? But the Raptors do it with like, they'll play like vocal songs, but they'll play it once there's a whistle or something. Yeah. And then they'll sometimes play the like clapping, get the people clapping song, the chanting kind of beginnings of those. Yeah. Um, but that I thought was interesting because it was like this weird, it was extremely quiet and then there was just this like soft melodic instrumental version. I would just like an arena to play very, play. very smooth jazz during offensive <laughs> possessions. I think it would mirror what's going on in the court very well. You couldn't do this for like the Rockets because they don't exactly play a jazzy type of basketball. That would just be like a chugging, like Death From Above 1979 song for the, the, the Rockets, but... Um, like for more of an artful team, just some nice smooth like the jazz. jazz should do it. <laughs> well, yeah, they should. Although they play kind of a gross style too, and they're kind of a bummer. But um, I agree. Like the Warriors, for example, that it should just be like orchestral, like j- just yeah. Not I feel the... like there there would be super extra and just play like some symphonies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would be down for that. Uh, so, <laughs> how many arenas have you been to now? Um, I don't, I haven't been to that many. No. I was counting the other day because I was like, I've been to tons, but I haven't really. This is the first road game I've seen where the Raptors are playing someone. In every other city I've seen a game, it's just, there's just a game going on. Right. Um, I've been to Staples Center in LA, Palace of Auburn Hills, Madison Square Gardens, Barclays. Um, what's the one in Cleveland called? Uh, the Predatory Parking Loans Lounge? Arena. Yeah, Predatory Loans Arena. Quick- Someone, some loans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is quick and loans, I think, yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. And where does uh, Barclays rank among arenas you've been to? I like it a lot. I think I like Palace of Auburn Hills, but because it's, it's like its own. It's like the, it's in a different city, yeah. for one. And it's its own thing. But it's like pretty, it's pretty straightforward as an arena. I think Barclays in terms of like, I don't know. There's, like, some pretty beautiful stylistic elements to it. There's, like, this sculptural thing when you walk in front of it called the Oculus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's just beautiful. And then in the inside of it, it has these LED screens on the inside. So when you're under it, waiting in line to go in the arena, it's just, like, these cool glowing lights. And I guess, like, they were, adver- they were advertising, like, concerts coming up. Right. <laughs> um, and all we have is that stupid... Maple Leaf Air Canada. Oh, wait, did they tear that down? What? That Air Canada sculpture. You know, it was like the three tall... Like the big sticks? Abstract. Yeah, the big sticks. They still have the big sticks. <laughs> the big rusty sticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all we have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, Madison Square Garden, it's cool to be in there. Mm-hmm. And I do like their concourse level. But they have built... When they've like expanded it and like have built boxes that go lower, mm. and these like concourses that reach out to them, they block the seating of like the pretty much most of the upper bowl. So there's TVs everywhere. That's an insane bummer. Yeah. Uh, so Barclays, uh, it, it ranks up there. That's, uh, I want to go there. I, I'm very interested. Uh, we're going to, never con- been, I've never been to any arena outside of, uh, oh. I've been to a couple baseball. I've been to Fenway park and Wrigley yeah. field. Um, and I've been to, See, I thought you'd been to Barclays cause you were like raving about that. <laughs> 
No, I just like it on TV. It looks rad. <laughs> no, uh, I've been to Nissan Stadium in Tennessee and uh, Bridgestone Arena in Tennessee as well in Nashville. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's about it for arenas for me. Ottawa, Buffalo's uh, AAA Stadium. It's actually better than the Dome, so I, I, I'm glad I've been there. But, yeah, no, I, I need to get more arenas in me for sure. Uh, we're going to continue on this conversation in just a second. But first, I want to tell everyone about our sponsor for today, and that is Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via panels similar to those in a heated car. They can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees and are powered by a rechargeable... Oh yeah, I know. That's insanely hot. <laughs> <laughs> if you hate the cold, Action Heat is for you. They're powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. And Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or whatever other gadget you have on. Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anyone who just loves the outdoors or really, really hates being cold. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid, terrible, brisk winter weather up here in Toronto or wherever else you live. Heated products that fit everyone's budget just starting at $39.99. And we've got a special offer for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash lockdown to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash lockdown or use the coupon code lockdown at checkout to save 20% off your order. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Katie, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, we had a podcast in the summer after the DeMar DeRozan trade, kind of talking about the ickiness of it all and the okay. sort of the conflict of rooting for Kawhi Leonard over DeMar DeRozan. We're a third of the way through the season now. Kawhi is kind of hitting his stride here and has been extremely good. How are you feeling about the Kawhi fandom experience now? Um, you know, I, I like him. I've warmed on him. Yeah. And I, much like action heat clothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I've like, uh, but it's been his weird, it's been his like fuck ups that have had me warm on him. Like when he like, bounce the ball off his foot when he got hit in the face with the ball um it's been these like weird moments that i guess really personalize him and make him seem 
like not such I mean I don't even like I don't like it when people are like he's a robot because I, I just think it's rude mm-hmm. um, and like no he's not you get to see him at work yeah. and like some days at work I'm also a robot uh, everybody is so and like what he does you know the way he plays is so methodical it can seem mechanical because it's so measured and slow mm-hmm. um, but I've really liked I, I really have liked watching him play and I really liked learning his style because it's so you put him with the Raptors and it's such a foreign like he just stands out he stands out because I know he's like phenomenal and he's a huge man but like he also stands out because the, the play style that he has is like it is so slow it looks like he's it's just like everything is extremely um, unhurried yeah and he's like never frenzied he's even when I'm sure he's going like extremely fast um, just because of you know his body and the way that he uses it it's just I don't know it's like uh, it makes it easier to spot him and it's made it really fun to like watch him play and how he fits in with the team so on that level like I have been enjoying him here I think I would be like lying if I was like oh I take these wins <laughs> you know like take these wins away uh, like I'm still unhappy with the trade I think I still you feel those things like simultaneously you know yeah. like I'm still bummed about how it happened and that's even with saying like DeMar's having a phenomenal season yeah no you that's know? totally fair yeah I uh, uh I feel I don't know I feel weird because I feel like I've kind of moved on in a, like a faster fashion than I thought I was going to and I think it's just because Kawhi is so good. And I'm like, yeah, the trade, sure, it was icky. And, like, I still feel bad for DeMar and how it all happened. But at the same time, it feels like DeMar himself has kind of moved on. So that's made me a little bit less sort of, I guess, trepidatious to also move on myself. And just watching Kawhi play, it's just so undeniable how much better he is than DeMar that it's like, okay, I get it entirely. And I have no problem watching this on my favorite basketball team for a year. Um, I like that you said that everything looks so easy for him and just like so like controlled and and you know not rushed or anything like that because like, that is the thing I take away from him most. And also the other thing too, one of my favorite things with Kawhi is when he's going like through traffic and just like moving people aside like little like empty <laughs> empty <Yeah>. Tupperwares <laughs> in the hallway like there's like nothing. He's so strong. It it is like kind of freaky to watch. Um, because, like, he can just kind of get wherever he wants and it doesn't really matter who's trying to guard him. And, like, I, I think I like watching his defense more than his offense, too. Because defense is, like, I, I don't really, like, care about defense all that much in the regular season. It's like, whatever, fine, defense is cool, give me dunks. But watching Kawhi play defense, it's, like, something different, man. And he just, like, he, he's, like, it's hard to really explain what it's, like, the sensation of watching him play defense. You just feel like he's always kind of about to do something insane whether it's like having a no look steal on a jimmy butler bounce pass or whether it's something like he i'm trying to think of like a couple like i mean the times where he's like bottled up ben simmons and just made him cry are really good i've enjoyed those significantly but just like the 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 random times that you won't even notice that there's a passing lane to be jumped and then it's like oh he just jumped it and now he's going to dunk it that's really cool to me like what do you think of watching him play defense yeah, I was actually going to say to your point of like picking these like big sort of showstopper moments. Like, I don't think I don't think you're blanking on them. I don't actually think he has that many. No, I don't yeah. think like it doesn't. He doesn't play that way. Like he doesn't play because that's kind of like playing flashy a little bit, you know. 
Um, and he doesn't. He's like a fundamental style player. Yeah. Uh, so when he does do those things, it's crazy to watch him because it's it's like it's him. He's doing it, and there's no really conceivable way that anyone could stop him. Mm-hmm. But there have been a couple moments, and specifically watching that Nets game, like when he had it, it he could have just like I don't know. He he like there's a, a certain hesitation, and I don't know if he's like looking around to see who he can pass it to, or he can kick it out to, and like they can do it but those are the kind of moments going forward I almost want to see him start to take advantage of and like maybe do those flashy things if he needs to Um, because it's like it creates it creates some separation between the teams and like a confidence way too right because if Kawhi is going to throw down something crazy then the next time you know like in case in point the Nets like maybe the next time they were in possession that they wouldn't have felt like they were just getting away with everything. Like, they just took the energy and kind of ran with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, maybe that's one side. Like, one downside of Kawhi style play. Like, I, and I, I get it. Like, I don't think I don't think it's reasonable or realistic to say we can have both with him. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't trade, you know, this, like, incredible... He's, like, an incredible defensive player. And, like, I'm not a stats person, but, like, I should, like, <laughs> like I've gone deep down... Into his stats. Yeah, they're absurd. Oh, <laughs> his defensive stats. And yeah, they're out of control. So, and like, I love having that. And it was a, it was a huge deficit, and it was something that the Raptors needed. Um, but that said, like, you know, I don't know if it's like a confidence thing of like him still getting his feet with the team, which makes sense because mm-hmm. it feels like a lot later than it is in the season. You know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's maybe just like getting. Because it's like now the okay the bench is still like the bench for the Raptors is still the kind of the, the people we're expecting to do the flashing moves right like mm-hmm. which I don't know I think they can share it around a little bit but I like I've yeah I've like warmed up to him I'm I don't know that I have warmed up to say like it's very clear what he's gonna do <laughs> I enjoy watching people freak out about the small nuances and like he's staying oh, yeah. <laughs> he, like. <laughs> I don't know. Does his shoes up a certain way? Uh, <laughs> it's a very Toronto like, style of bow. It's a he has. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I like him, and I think like I feel like he looks happy yeah. playing. Um, and I don't think I'm trying not to like be exaggerating too much about that. But it seems like he looks good. He's feeling good. Um, he could just like you know get in there, get a little flashy, Kawhi. Yeah, I think he's kind of starting to do that a little bit. Um, I, I think also they've had a lot of close games lately, and you're seeing him kind of get jacked up late with these games and very excited. And I do notice that he's very excited when other guys do stuff. Like he'll, someone hits a three, he'll give him a big point with that enormous finger of his, and like, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Um, and I do think he gets pretty jacked up, which is nice to see. Like again, kind of going counter to the whole he's a robot thing. I think he has the capacity for emotion, as all human beings do, obviously. Um, so it's been nice to see that, and like. That Philly game on Friday, or Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. Uh, he had a couple dunks in that game where it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, he would pick up the ball, like, around the free throw line, and it's like, oh, he's, he's dunking now. Uh, and the same thing happened with that lefty dunk that you saw on Friday against the Nets. Like, that dunk was just nasty and kind of came out of nowhere. And I think we'll see more of those. Like, there's no reason that he won't start dunking on people if, as, if he feels his legs are underneath him. And honestly, it, he said something... I can't remember what game this was after. It might have, let me look at the schedule. It was a game that I covered 
He had a pretty decent game, if I'm not mistaken. I got to let me see the schedule here. This is bad podcasting, but whatever. Um, so this he, is just honest podcasting. Yeah, this is no one's that prepared for anything. Uh, this was the Washington game on the 23rd. This was just before they embarked on having all of these games one day on, one day off, and. He talked after that game about how, and he I think he had a really good game in that one. He had 27 on 12 of 22 shooting. It was one of his better games so far. And he said after the game, like, yeah, I feel like this little stretch here is going to be where we kind of hit a rhythm or where I hit a rhythm because we're playing every other day. There's going to be no resting or anything like that. And I, I think he kind of has a pretty good handle on his own body and how sort of his game is trending, I guess I would say. Because I think he kind of almost called it that he was going to go on this run where he was going to put up 30, night, 30 a night pretty easily and, and you know, kind of move into the MVP conversation over this little last two-week stretch. I know they've lost some games here and there, but the way he's played has been really, really impressive. And he's kind of vaulted himself back. As this proportion of games played to the total number of games in the season has you know gotten a little bit bigger, he, I think he's kind of moving himself into that MVP conversation a little bit closer. And I think that, you know, the fact that he kind of called it, I think, is, uh, I don't know, a good bit of self-awareness and a nice, a nice little flex by him. I also love his little flexes when he gets asked about stuff, <laughs> like asked about defense and stuff. He's like, yeah, it's a problem for some people, not me. <laughs> like, <laughs> he knows but how. I, don't, I think he's just being honest. No, he's I know. truthful. Yeah, I just love it when he does it. I love that he's being truthful about how dope he is. I, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you, um, so the Raptors, we can wrap it up in a second here, but the Raptors are playing the Clippers on Tuesday night. Are, are you ready for the incessant Kawhi to the Clippers talk that's going to happen all day long? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> no, like I don't like he. I could have seen that before. I don't know now. Yeah. You know, um, and then again, like I think I'm ready for it because, like, I, I don't know. This just feels like <laughs> bad to say, but I'm not so. In, I don't care yet. Like I'm not so invested that if he goes, like I'm still expecting him to go. Really? Yes. But right. I wouldn't say it's because of like a negative or or like anything bad that's happened i just like, haven't seen enough mm-hmm. to like make make even like a decision based on feelings which you know i'm well known for but i think yeah like i think he if he goes he goes i don't know that he'll go to the clippers maybe well because he can go home like home adjacent but yeah like i i mean between the clippers and the lakers yeah i think he'd go to the clippers <laughs> 
it seems like all of the people who know stuff, like Brian Windhorst, people like laugh at Windhorst for I don't know what reason, just because of his LeBron connections or whatever. But like he kind of knows a lot and hints at a lot of stuff when he does his podcast and whatnot. And he himself has said he thinks it's either Clippers or Raptors. And I don't know. It's kind of nice and heartening, I suppose, that the Raptors have gone from you know five months ago being a team per Chris Haynes that Kawhi did not want to play for at all to being one of the two teams that people in the know seem to think is kind of in the running for him. That's a uh, that's nice. I'm not super you know into the whole like let's talk about free agency in the middle of December. I'd rather just see the <laughs> Why season because yeah, it's the worst. Uh, by the way, breaking news on the podcast. Kawhi Leonard is questionable for tonight's game against the Clippers with a bruised right hip. So I believe this is a strategic injury to keep him from talking to the media in Los Angeles. He missed the other he missed the Lakers game as well, if I recall. I was just gonna say it seems like he hasn't been sitting out as many games as he was, but I guess now he is. Well, because they haven't had any back to backs for like half a month. It's been a while. Yeah. So. Um, Look, like I don't think I don't think when I say like I don't know that he's staying. It's it doesn't mean that I think there's another team you'd go to. Right. Like, what you said is like I think I agree with that. Like he's not. I can't see him playing for any other team. Yeah. Other than the Raptors or the Clippers. It's very weird. It, I mean, it's impossible to. He's like not very knowable, right? So it's not like he's like leaving little breadcrumbs in the media for us to like draw conclusions from, right? So. But, I don't think he's made his mind up yet. You know, like no. he strikes me as someone who. Once he's got the facts in front of him, um, and he can like map out his career trajectory mm-hmm. with those pieces, then he'll make a decision. Yeah, I think that's probably the smart move. Um, Which is beneficial to us, I think. Yeah. Also, I, I don't think it's like a bad guy. thing. I don't think it's a bad thing that Pascal Siakam has suddenly become like a borderline star. That that seems like a, a useful guy to be like, hey, Kawhi, stick around with this crazy man who is the fastest person in the world who can also dunk and maybe shoot threes now um mm-hmm. not the worst <laughs> chip to say hey stick around and play with this dude um i think that's we got a lot play. of chips we got a lot of chips many many <laughs> chips it's a big old bowl of i don't know what's your favorite it's a chip? party mix it's a party mix yeah is that your favorite kind of chip party mix <laughs> no but that's okay. what i would describe the raptors as to go back to <laughs> another podcast where we talked at length <laughs> About types of food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really ready for another Surge uh, How Hungry Are You episode. They need a couple of days off because they haven't had yeah, it, like, they haven't so. had that in a while. I think uh, Christmas time. I have like next Monday Tuesday circled because they're back and they have two days off before they play Indiana on the 19th. Maybe they got some filming planned for the 18th. So here's hoping. <laughs> here's hoping. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's gonna about do it for today's podcast. It's been a good one. As always, I with think you, Katie. it's been a good one. Yeah, it's pretty easy going. Uh, can oh, fireside you... chat. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll edit in a little fire crackle for the entire podcast underneath. <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. I think more podcasts should do that. Actually, I'm going to pioneer this. You could start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm probably going to do this now. <laughs> also, one last thing. Uh, a bit of a sad note. Condolences to Nick Nurses. Uh, family himself his mother passed away yesterday he's gonna be in la tonight um for the game but that's sucks and that's awful all the best nick nurse and hopefully they can win one for him tonight that'd be great um all right i think that's gonna do it do you have uh anything you'd like to plug katie um i'm gonna i'm gonna have some rapid fire things going out because my year wraps next tuesday 
because I'm going to Mexico. Ooh. Where so in Mexico? Please, what's the What's I'm, the plan? I'm going down to Otulco. Okay. Um, I'm going to be carrying big, big bottles of water. That's with my me one question. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stay hydrated. Anyway, I've got some fun, some fun things coming out. Um, like some in in vain of like year endless, but some just you know, mm-hmm. not not that. <laughs> <laughs> so keep an eye out and subscribe to Basketball Feelings. Yes, if you haven't already. And you can read about road games and fire and Carmelo Anthony. It's very good. It's robust, I think. Yeah, it's a it's a great time. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Shaw, and you can subscribe, rate, review to the podcast on iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh, Katie, have a fantastic time in Mexico. I'm guessing we won't talk to you until after you're back, so we'll have to get some good. Uh, maybe you, should I be doing like NBA blogger vacation watch? <laughs> and uh, oh, maybe <laughs> just like might be pretty boring. I could pitch maybe. to Vice Sports. What's Katie doing on vacation? <laughs> be a very very meta post <laughs> I like it but I think you would be an audience of maybe four yeah, well hey <laughs> that's probably more than I get for most stuff so uh, I'll but take no, it I guess I won't talk to you unless they drop a surprise how hungry are you yeah and if they have a holiday episode during the time you're away I will definitely hold off on reviewing that until you're back and, thank uh, you yeah and then maybe we'll have a new year's episode as well I don't know I just wanted to start cooking themed foods, like for the teams that he, that they're playing, like having a venison day when they play the Bucks, and uh, I don't know what other teams are there that are animals based, <laughs> like Atlanta Hawks, just like ha- having a nice hawk wing, some pelican. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so it's like fried pelican neck. <laughs> I'm sure he knows how to prepare that. I probably, uh, or just like the mascot of whatever team it is. So like. Eisenbergers when they play the Thunder. <laughs> I don't know. This has gotten weird. <laughs> We're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, bull testicles when they play the Bulls. Okay, that's going to do it. Uh, <laughs> also, Hornets. Just just a bowl of Hornets. Very tasty. Uh, okay, this has gone off the rails. Thank you so much, Katie. Everyone, thank you for listening and subscribing and rating and reviewing and all the lovely stuff. And we will talk to you on Wednesday. We will recap the Clippers game and look ahead to the Warriors game tomorrow night uh, in the next episode of Lockdown Raptors. Talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.